He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Hope you had a good weekend. Welcome into the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out all of the great content, keeping you up to date on everything happening in the game of golf here in the state of Oklahoma. Fellas, it was a weekend in the game of golf. We've got Harris English and Kramer Hickok in an eight-hole playoff. We've got Nellie Corda and Lizette Salas running away from the field at the KPMG Women's PGA, which culminated in Nellie Corda's first major and her first time atop the world rankings on the women's side. We've got Victor Hovland winning across the pond on that tour over in Europe. And uh, we've got Joshua Creel nearly pulling it off on the Corn Ferry Tour. Taylor Moore finishing top five as well. So it was an unbelievable weekend in the game of golf. Let's start with the eight-hole playoff at the Travelers. I actually had a uh, dinner with some people from out of town we don't get to see very often. So we go have dinner, we come out, and I looked at my phone and I just checked the Golf Channel app, right? And it said Harris English 13 under, Kramer Hickok 13 under, uh, but that was about an hour before we left dinner. So after we leave dinner, I get in the car, I turn on PGA Tour Radio expecting to hear the recap show, Mm -hmm. and they can tell me who won the golf tournament, and they're like, and now we will head to the seventh playoff hole here at the Travelers Championship. I'm like, oh my God, these guys must be doing something special. Uh, in reality, they were just making a bunch of pars, and finally Harris English made a birdie on the eighth playoff hole, uh, and, and we can talk about what happened in regulation two with Bubba playing the last five holes, six over. But uh, Taylor, what were your thoughts on the way the back nine played out at the Travelers and then the way the final eight played out at the Travelers? Well, it was, like you said, Cole, but there was just so many great tournaments to get into. It was almost like, well, where did I put my focus at? I mean, there were so, so many great tournaments going on, so much great golf being played. And, you know, honestly, from my perspective, I think one of the biggest storylines before, obviously before the eight-hole playoff, it's got to be Bubba Watson. I mean, I'm watching the whole, almost the whole round yesterday, or majority of it, and it seems like Bubba's just playing exceptional golf. His distance control was awesome with his with his wedges, his irons. Was putting the ball in play, and even if he was getting out of position, he was able to. He wasn't making any bogeys. Was playing very solid. So I'm thinking. Bubba's got this sewn up, and especially because he was highly picked in the one and done. So I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's there's no doubt that he's he's going to get this job done. And then, then 13 kind of happened where he hit this. Looked like he was going for the green on the par five, and literally the ball ended up 80 yards short of the green. He basically laid up when he was trying to go for it. And then after that, he proceeded to hit about three or four very short irons in a row that were like 40 yards left. And it was just so peculiar to see just how he unraveled. I mean, it was from someone who hadn't won, in at, especially at a course he won at three times, you would think that the nerves of trying to win wouldn't impact him as much. But that seemed like what happened to me, guys. It was just straight, you know, nerves get to you, you want to win the tournament, can't control your can't control your hands and impact. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the squares start popping up on the scorecard, and then you can't uh, get the ball in the hole. So I think it wasn't – it was just kind of a snowball effect of why he was six over the last five because he really didn't play that bad. It was just at at one point he just kind of got over it. You know what I'm saying, Sam? Yeah, like you said, I, I, I like that you brought up 13-2 par in that par five to kind of start the snowball effect. Uh, I, did, I was, did he just have a bad number there? Because that's another one I was listening to on the radio, and they seemed confused that he ended up – because, I mean, that should be a birdie hole for somebody like Bubba. And they were talking about it, and they're like, I mean, he's putting from the fringe for his birdie on a par five that should be reachable. Did he just have a bad number and decided to lay up? What, why did he do that? Uh, he was 242 from the hole, and then he had uh, 59 yards left to the hole. He was trying to go for it from what it looked like to me. And he just hit but a hole. Count 60 yards short, though? Mm-hmm. That, 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 really? I, that's how bad his shots coming down the stretch were. I mean, literally on 15, guys, he had, and I, I will give a caveat to this, Russell Henley in the group in front of him was hacking up on the green, so he had to wait like 15 minutes. But Bubba hit the infamous layup with an iron into the hazard. Oh, <laughs> Made a bogey. And then oh, at Bubba. that point, I'm thinking, all right, well, even at that point, he still had a shot. And then he hits the horrible approach shot into, into 16, makes a bogey, and then um, hits it again left on, off his tee shot on 17, which everyone lays up on. So he hit, hits an iron over there, or hybrid. I think he hit iron. And then hits it in the water on his next shot. So that's kind of where the extra uh, bogeys kind of came in. Oh, there. my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. 
Oh, Bubba. I mean, I'm sitting there. I This weekend, I played in the more uh, member guest uh, with Bryce Fanning, and I'm sitting there, and, and Bubba has a two-shot lead, and I'm chilling, and an hour later, I look, and we're, we're on the third hole of a playoff where Bubba is nowhere to be found, okay? And I go back and watch the highlights. By the way, guys, my DraftKings just choked this weekend. I mean, you had Patrick Cantlay, 70-68 on the weekend. Bubba, 68-73 on the weekend. You had Jason Day, 270s on the weekend. And uh, Mackenzie Hughes, 71-74 on the weekend. And not to mention Ricky Fowler, who missed the cut. And so basically, my DraftKings, I'm in first place. I drop all the way in in one little five-hole stretch. And at the end of the tournament, I drop all the way from first to fourth out of the money. And so I was... If it would have been a 67-hole tournament... You'd have been in the in the money. Oh, I would have been first. Yeah, yeah. You'd have had it in the bag. I wonder yeah. how many points Bubba lost you during that stretch because he made four bogeys, one double, and went from first to nineteenth. <laughs> also, yeah. that you, has to be like lose, a fifty point loss. Yeah. Do, you, do you lose extra points on uh, DraftKings for bogey streaks? Because like you get birdie streaks, you get extra points. I don't know. Do you lose points sure. for bogey streaks? I don't think you do, but I, I think they should out. they should implement that if they don't. I know how to that's, find that's out. A good let's question. go into the uh, let's go into the little app here. By the way, I led DraftKings all day. Thursday, all day Friday, and for about 70% of the day Saturday, and ended up finishing 15th out of 18. So you talk about all your guys collectively just uh, <laughs> do, doing yeah. you know what on the weekend. Let's see. Bubba Watson, uh, he did not lose for uh, the bogey streak. For a birdie streak of three birdies in a row or more, you get three points, but you don't lose for the bogey streak. So that's good news for the Bubba Watson owners. Well, boys, it ended up. Harris English ended up being the story. I mean, what a gritty playoff. We'll, we'll get more into that. Uh, but, I mean, my goodness, the, the second longest playoff in PGA Tour history tied. So, the longest ever was in 1949 uh, at the Motor City Open. Uh, Lloyd Mangrum and Carrie, or Lloyd, Lloyd Mangrum and Kerry Middlecoff were co-winners. What? M- maybe maybe that was a uh, a team event because they had a lot of those. Bodies. Okay, oh, yeah. okay, then been. that's what it was. But my question, Sam, is this happened so long ago? Does this even count? Because you know Bobby uh, Jones, here we go. Bobby Jones, Harry Varden, and, and all them. We no, go. we don't count. Them. It shouldn't count. It shouldn't count. Absolutely not. But uh, but then you, you said had that the, was in Detroit. It was yeah. Is in that Detroit. where they're headed this week? That was it, basically it's, like. Yeah. It's that Motor was, City Open. I'd assume that's Detroit. That's like the 1949 edition of this week's Rocket Mortgage Rocket Classic. Mortgage. Yeah. yeah, and then so the eight-hole playoffs were the 1965 Azalea Open. I'll count that one. Uh, 1978 Greater Milwaukee Open. Uh, Lee Elder defeated Lee Trevino. Lee Elder, how about uh, a little very Lee, underrated How about player. a little Lee on Lee crime? Lee on Lee, playoff. yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then you had the 1981 John Deere Classic. Dave Barr defeated four other players. Uh, in 1983, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, Bob Glider, uh, Gilder, excuse me, uh, defeated three other players. And in 2012, at the Mayakoba uh, Classic, uh, John Hahn defeated Robert Allenby. And then so, huh? John Hahn. John Hunt. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, defeated Robert Allenby. And then yesterday, Harris English, obviously, defeating Hickok. By the way, that huh joke, that's as good as it's getting on Monday, folks. That's <laughs> yeah, as good as it's getting. We it's all like str- the who's on first. Yep. We all struggle with Mondays. One thing I noticed, because I'm reading a similar article, Marco Mira lost in that 1983 uh, Phoenix Open playoff. Marco Mira is most known for winning two majors in a year. That was in 1998, so that's 15 years after he lost in a playoff. So that's kind of cool to so, see a longevity I, career. Yeah, thing. it is. I want to I read a tweet to you all uh, that I saw this morning about Harris English's caddy. So oh, I saw it. Harris English's caddy, not. Eric Larson, uh, not related to Eric Larson, who is uh, the, the father of one of my teammates at UMKC. But anyways, Harris English's caddy, Eric Larson, is a redemption story. Uh, he made a stupid decision and got busted selling cocaine and did 10 years uh, from 1995 to 2005 uh, in federal prison. Uh, he got his life back together and now at age 60 uh, is winning again. Uh, and he credits Mark Kalkovecchia for sticking by his old uh, uh, looper, you know, and, and visiting him in prison and keeping his life on track. And now this year he's won twice with Harris English. Harris English actually the only guy to win twice in the 2021 calendar year. Yeah, it is. It was, it was an amazing story. I kind of read some about it this morning. And I guess Kalkovecchia is kind of the one that kept him going and made sure that, you know, made a dumb mistake. But yeah. he really is a great redemption story. 60 years old. He's won twice this year with Harris English. So it's something I never knew about until I read about it this morning. But it would, uh, you know, I don't know if that's something that 
he has actually sat down and talked about or if that's something that he would sit down and talk about and do an interview about. But I would love to actually hear his full story about how he got involved in all that and how he made his way back to uh, a, a normal, successful life because that's not easy to do. Absolutely. No, it, it shows that we can all make mistakes and come back from it, you know. And so I think that that's – it's truly outstanding that he's that someone can, can go through – I mean, think about it. You lose a decade of your life and then you're able to come back out and make the most of it. And obviously you need help to do that. But just goes to show, just because you make one mistake in life doesn't mean that uh, you can't be a contributing member of society. So I'd I love to hear stories like that, guys, so that – uh, really warms my heart, in all honesty. So, congrats to Harry English, even though he was the most. But one thing I want to talk about with you guys, uh, Kramer Hickok, guy who I didn't know much about, honestly, until this week, um, remembered that he's roughly my age, a little bit older, and uh, know that he's friends friends with Speed a little bit. They showed a lot of pictures, and Sam Burns was out watching the playoffs. He's good friends with Sam Burns. They, they I both did, played at Texas yeah. together. The picture they yeah. showed of Speeth in the Nike hat was uh, was nice. It, it, it looked weird. Yeah, yeah. Even, even as a kid, it's like, oh, Speeth and Nike, oh, it was very jarring. The TJGT yeah. flag, you notice that, yeah, Sam? That yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Nice, nice. But Hickok actually lived with Spieth uh, while he was trying to get on the, you know, uh, PGA Tour and stuff like that on, on his way up the mini tours. But, yeah. go ahead. but I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, the he made made about a five-footer on, on 17. Let me let me get my exact measurements here because he hit it on the green and didn't hit the best lag putt. Uh, six-footer, five-foot, nine-inches. We'll round that up to six. It sounds better. Um, and then it made an eight-foot, ten-incher, so I'll round that up to nine feet. So he made a six-footer and a nine-footer, nice, on 17 and 18 just to get into the playoff after Harry made a – I want to make sure I get my number right here on the link. But, I mean, it was at least a 25-foot putt. Um, I mean, just – I mean, the amount of putts that were made before the playoff was exceptional. Uh, 27 feet, 8 inches for our man Harry English. That's big time. And, and, you know, to give Harry credit, you know, he was out a couple groups in front, so he knew that he had a post. Leishman was already in at 12 under, shot us very solid 64 yesterday, and so knew he had to make that putt to have any chance. And this was – it was kind of funny because – Right at the time that Harry made that putt to get in the lead was right when Bubba started to fall apart. So there was, at at two points of the tournament, it was like, okay, I know Bubba's going to win. And then right as soon as he wasn't going to win, we knew Harry was going to win. But then here comes Hickok, just clutch as can be from someone that you had, hadn't, no one had really heard of in all honesty. And I think that that, in my opinion, guys, that goes to show a tiger effect across all platforms to show that someone who hasn't, proven themselves yet on the PJ Tour can still go out and make six-footers, nine-footers, 12-footers when they matter in playoffs and yeah. get into playoffs. I think that that shows a lot for for the game of golf, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, he played a great weekend of golf, and it's it's so tough for him because it's not like he missed any four-footers or anything that would have won in the tournament. He played solid golf, but there's no guarantee that he ever wins a PGA Tour event. I mean, there's no guarantee that you get back to that spot. There's no guarantee that you end up back in a playoff. Golf is such a, a fickle game where one week you can have it, and if one guy has it just a little bit more, I mean, you you get topped and you've got to bring it again. That, that win, I was rooting for Kramer Hickok in the playoff because that win would have meant a lot more to Kramer Hickok than it did to Harris English. It would have meant status. It would have meant masters. It would have meant a lot of things that Harris English already has. So I was rooting heavy for Kramer Hickok, but I mean, golf's an unforgiving game. You uh, you have a few chances. Some putts lip out and don't go in. The other guy makes one. All of a sudden, you know, it's a good second place finish. Cast a lot of money, but you don't get all that status. You don't get the Masters invite. All those things that come along with winning. So it's it's. I, I imagine it was a little tough for Kramer Hickok to sleep last night, even though he did wind up in second. Yeah, he. It would have been the rare time to see a winner if Kramer Hickok would have won. Uh, to see a winner that actually lost strokes on the field, strokes gained approach on the on the tournament. Uh, that's really interesting he's probably kicking himself a little bit uh on his iron play this week i wanted to talk to you real quick boys about kevin kisner's putting week all right so get this uh in the first round he loses almost a shot on the field putting in round two he gains 4.19 shots putting in round three he he loses over a shot and a half putting and in round four he has one of the best putting uh days of the year uh Gains 5.21 strokes putting. So it was the, roller The two coaster. good days, 63s. Yeah. 63. Yeah. Didn't break 70 either yeah. of the other two days. Exactly. 63, the two days that he putted well. Uh, some great scores in there. How about, Taylor, you mentioned Abraham Answer usually plays well when nobody's on him. Shot a 72 on Thursday. We're thinking, ah, Abe, Abe's not really going to do much this week. And then he goes... 66, 66, 65, finishes two shots back and solo fourth. Leishman was solo third, one shot back, and then there was a cluster at 10 under that included your one-and-done pick, Sam Bryan Harmon. You won the one-and-done this week. Taylor, I was going to ask you, you know, we talk about having all your eggs in one basket. 
if you have all your eggs in one basket and you leave them out for too long, they spoil. And you had some spoiled eggs this week. Our man Paul Casey was, what, three or four under at the turn on Thursday? Four under. And then it looked like he tweaked his back. He was laying on his towel. He was doing stretches. Yeah. It looked like his back totally gave out on him after a great start, which uh, was just the break sometimes. I had him in the one and done, too. I didn't, I didn't load up on him everywhere, but I had him in the one and done, too. So it was a little disappointing that maybe physically he, he couldn't be there this week. Yeah, I think he had – I think we all can remember the, the tournament that Tiger played at Riviera a couple years ago. He was on fire for nine holes, and then he tweaked his back and then finished about DFL after that. And that's kind of similar to what Paul Casey did. Paul Casey for the event, guys, was minus 1.25 on the greens. And so we talk about how a lot of times back has a lot to do with your swing, obviously, but at the same time it can have a lot to do with your putting and I think that 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 showed a lot that he just probably just wasn't able to bend over and uh, hit hit the putts the way he needed to I thought it was really interesting week guys because I was scrolling through here and of all the people inside the top nine on the leaderboard there was only one who gained more than 0.42 strokes approach to green this week and that's who was uh Brooks Kepka, uh Kepka. Sam, Sam's favorite player yeah. so I mean Broke 70 it, all four rounds and the, you mentioned Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it seemed like the pro- the primary stats were everyone up at the top gained strokes off the tee, like almost a full stroke, which is, you see that, that's obviously a primary stat, but not as superior as it was this week. And then almost everyone inside of the top 10 gained strokes putting, which we'll see one or two guys in there who don't have a good putting wing but hit the ball well. So it was very interesting to see the analytics this week. They kind of were a little different than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned uh, Brian Harmon. I just wanted to give a shout out to him for birding 18. Uh, and making my best bet hit of Brian Harmon top five. Yeah, so that, that was, was good. Huge. That was really good. Uh, by the way, just talking about bad backs real quick, Jason Day, Saturday afternoon. That was tough to watch, yeah. man. I mean, he was right there in the tournament, but you could tell he was having trouble putting his tee in the ground. He, was, he got in that fairway bunker on 18. It didn't even look like he could swing. It was actually impressive. How it good was. He played. I mean, he shot seventy seventy on the weekend with the bad back. He shot sixty two on Friday, which was unbelievable. But uh, it's just, it's so tough to watch a guy who was one of the elite players in the game, and maybe still could be if he was physically right. Guys, I don't think he'll ever be physically right again. He's just, he's battled this back for so long. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he needs to go the uh, the back surgery route. I don't know. But it's, man, it's so hard to watch a guy that you know can be so elite who just can't even hardly walk, stand upright. But, he's I mean, he's out there trying. He finished T10 with the bad backs. Not like he had a bad week, but it, it was tough to watch Saturday afternoon when, when he was struggling coming down the stretch. Yeah, I know somewhere where he could go to get it fixed. You can go to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma, see Dr. Beecham, Dr. Brawley. They will get you taken care of. Total individualized patient care. Both avid golfers, so they know exactly what you need. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive, uh, and they will pro- try every approach before they move on to surgery. However, if you are needing surgery, you can see Dr. Brawley. Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Not just America, all of North America. And Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management and is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. Visit thespineclinicok.com located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, any closing thoughts on the travelers before we move on to Nellie Corda's big week? Yeah, I was I was gonna point out just the fact of uh, point out some other guys. Uh, I, um, on friend Austin Eckert, friend of the show Austin Eckert mm-hmm. made made the cut. So shout out to him. Um, I was I was I was gonna ask all you guys about Jason Day because I think that he's he's a big storyline because it just goes to show that he he's not gonna be able to put seventy two holes of golf together. I don't think just because of that back. Um, Bryson finished top twenty. I think that's something that that is obviously a, a kind of a storyline now. We're always looking at him where he's gonna finish at. This is a course that he's always played well at. Um, and then um, just wanted to point. Now, the guy who was up there didn't have his best stuff on Sunday. Robert Strepp finished top 20 as well, so shout-out to him, a local guy. So, yeah, but, yeah, no, I want to get into to Nellie Quarter as well. She played phenomenally. Yeah, I mean, the, oh, but go ahead. I just yeah. too, real quick, I was just going to mention the notables that missed the cut in this tournament. You had Streelman, who's been playing really good golf. Horrible uh, Friday for Streelman. And, and three he, he was a big favorite at this at this tournament, too, because yep. he likes this tournament. And, and, and Finau missed the cut. Um, and then Ricky obviously uh, missed the cut as well. And Ricky did, shot 69 on Thursday and then blew up on Friday. It's it, He's had the Friday woes this season. There's a few tournaments where he's gone in the 60s on, on Thursday and then ended up missing the cut because he couldn't get it in at even or under par even on Friday. So uh, another tough MC for Ricky. And then Wolf. did what? Where was Wolf in this tournament? He shot plus five. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He was out of it. He'll, yep. he'll, be, uh, he'll be at Rocket Mortgage this week, of course, that he likes. He played really well so last year. Finished yeah. second last year. Battled, 20 uh, under. Shambo last year. 
yeah, so uh, good stuff from all those guys, and uh, hopefully they play well next week. Guys, the, the 10-day stretch that Kelly Norda no, – Kelly Norda. <laughs> the 10-day stretch that Nelly Corda just went through – Unbelievable. I mean, the golf she played last week was out of this world. The 62 or 63 that she shot last week, and then this week she shoots a 63 on Friday at a major championship. And this course was not playing that easy. I mean, minus eight was T5, but she wins the Women's PGA Championship at Atlanta Athletic Club at 19 under par, going 70, 63, 68, 68. She ends up stretching out three shots in front of Lizette Salas. And Nellie Corda now finds Finally, we have an American at the top of the world rankings with consecutive wins and her first major championship at the age of 22. Nellie Corda has now ascended all the way to the number one player in the world. I think it's great for American women's golf, uh, and it's good to see her having such such success. So Nellie Corda in her last 140 holes is 46 under par. God. 68 of those holes were in major championships. God. That is insane. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. And that's at what? At Atlanta Athletic Club and Olympic Club? I mean, yeah. those are yeah. not those are not yeah. extremely easy golf courses. I know Olympic Club isn't. They might have set – I mean, she shot 19 under. Third place was 10 under, just to put it into perspective. So, it's not like it was a complete crap sheet. You had to, it was essentially a two-horse race for majority of the tournament. For, for the entire weekend, it was a two-horse race. Her and Salas were at least five clear of the field pretty much the entire weekend. And, mm-hmm. and in all honesty, whenever you're watching a tournament, it's like – you either rather have that happen, kind of like what we had at the Open Championship, where you yep. have Stinson Phil going against each Stinson other. Stinson Phil was epic. It was it was epic. Or this wasn't Stinson Phil epic, but this was pretty good. Or, or you want like what we had at the U.S. Open, where you have like twenty people that could win the tournament. You know, when you get somewhere in the middle, it's not as much fun. So I mean, it, it was really great entertainment, and I just love Nellie Quarter's swing. It's so good. I mean, it's it's right up there with with some of the best in the game. And we were kind of talking about this before the show, guys, with the fact of it being Fourth of July week. We we're going to talk a little bit of. Ryder Cup, we're going to say that for tomorrow, but very under um, under talked about so far, guys. Solheim Cups this year as well, yeah. And that's something that's going to. You just mentioned Americans now number one in the world. That's something that we you know don't necessarily think about as much, especially when the Ryder Cups there as well. But that's something that as all golf fans, we get really invested in it's at uh, Inverness this year, which is um, I think that's in Ohio. And we'll, and we'll probably have a uh, Court of Sisters pairing, I would imagine at you the Solheim Cup. So. Yeah, yeah, that'd be smart. Yeah, I would imagine they've played some golf together in their day. I have a take on the Solheim Cup that they should change it to like what the President's Cup is. Really? But, but just include U, it just USA versus the entire rest USA of the USA versus everyone? Just it, because, it would probably even it out. Yeah, just because it's there's so many good players that aren't from GB and I, yeah. you know, that are. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the women's game is huge in uh, in in Asia, in Korea, in yeah. China, in Japan. Uh, I mean, the women's game is huge over there. So is the you men's get, game. It's just you, absolutely. Exploded. I feel like you get more stars, like obviously. Yeah, yeah, I so. think you would too. I mean, it's been and like I said earlier, it's been a long time since an American woman was number one in the rankings. It's been a long time since we've had a really dominant American on the women's side. I mean, you know, everybody loved Annika Sorenstam, but still, I mean, that's Sweden, and yeah. uh, then it was uh, who took Lorena over? Ochoa, y- y- Yanni Singh had yeah, a run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lydia Ko has had a run, Australia. Uh, and now we've got Nellie Corda at the top. And she's, uh, man, she's going to be great for the women's game. Cause, Le- Lexi like I said, as well. She, yeah, Lexi, she's, I mean, Nellie Corda's only 22 years old. So still a ton of, ton of winning golf in her future. Yeah, as much as I want to see the rest of the global women's game get involved, Sam, three of the last five years, European have, has won the Solheim Cup. So I'm not sure if I want them to get any more that's deeper true. of a team than they yeah, already that's have. That's true. I will say the Americans have some good young players that wouldn't have been in those tournaments. Nellie Corda, Austin Ernst is another one. Jenny, Jennifer Cupcho is another one. So there's a lot of really good young Americans that I think would bolster the team. But I do still think internationally, uh, a team 1 through 12 would still be quite a bit stronger than the American side. But, but, but Americans are catching up on the women's side of golf. And it's kind of weird how on the men's side, the other countries have now kind of caught up with the U.S. in terms. And, you know, U.S. has been losing the Ryder Cup a lot more and stuff. But and uh, we're competitive in the President's Cup. But on the women's side, the Americans are having to catch up with the rest of the world because the rest of the world, I mean, got so far ahead of America whenever it comes to women's well, golf. Yeah, it, real quick, I was just going to mention, uh, before I forget, Maria Fossey got a slow play slow play penalty on 18, uh, and it caused her to miss the cut, I'm pretty sure, uh, in, in, that, uh, in that tournament. But um, you were talking about uh, USA golf. Yeah, Fossey missed the cut by a shot. 70-77 yeah. Yeah. for Maria Fossey. And, and that was because of a slow play penalty. So that yeah. was a really uh, tough situation there. But you were talking about USA golf. And, and so basically, 
USA men's golf was not that good, you know, in the, you know, mid 2000s to like 2010. Everyone kept talking about when are we going to get some American winners, you know? And then it was Tiger and that was it. It was the Tiger effect. And now all these Tiger Americans. Phil. Yeah, right, right. Tiger but, and Phil, but that was pretty much it. But it's like you, the U.S. just jumped way, way above, you know, Great Britain and Ireland pretty much. And then now it's, it's like the foreigners are kind of, you know, coming back up, and it's it's almost even to me. It's in, very in, in even, I think. I mean, going into the Ryder Cup every year, I don't think we have any idea who's going to win. And even a couple of years ago for the President's Cup, it seemed like, ah, oh, the U.S. will go down there and run away with this thing. Uh, no, the U.S. had to make a big comeback in singles mm-hmm. to win the President's Cup. So, uh, I mean, and honestly, to me, that's great for the game of golf. Ryder Cup, President's Cup, two, I mean, golf fans' favorite events of the year. Uh, and the Ryder Cup has always been a ton of fun because mostly in our lifetimes, we've gone into the Ryder Cup not knowing who's going to win. President's Cup hasn't been the same way. We've gone into the President's Cup knowing the U.S. is going to win. They've been huge favorites pretty much every year that it's played. But I think even that is evening out some. I mean, we talked about Abraham Answer with his his good week this week at Travelers. He's a good young player on the international side. Neiman's a good young player on that side. Uh, a bunch of guys. Sung J.M., Siwoo Kim, a lot of good yep. young players on the international side that are going to be around for a long time. And one last thing about the Solheim take. I, I was more or less just saying that to make it more entertaining, not as much, you know, to make it more fair as Colby throws a coaster into the wall. Okay, so, so for those who don't know, I'm a fidgeter, right? I've always got something in my hands that I'm fidgeting with. I toss a tennis ball around. I play with the cards. Today there was a random coaster in here. So I'm just taking this coaster and tossing it up in the air, and it totally got away from me and ends up like eight feet away in the wall. I'm sure you could hear it. Yeah. Uh, T-Dub, do you have any way uh, to see the Ryder Cup standings just real quick while we're talking about it? The Ryder Cup standings? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one second. Because I'm curious uh, what kind of pairings we're going to have yeah. at the Ryder Cup. Because we're, we're getting close, boys. We're getting close. We are getting close. We, it's, I mean, it's already uh, – it's basically July. That's crazy. By the way, yeah. uh, we're, we're going to show some love to our crew down in Chickasha. Me and Taylor are going down this weekend. We're playing in the Ouachita Valley in Chickasha. We do it every year. It's a blast. They fly it at Championship through E-Flight. If you're looking for something fun to do this week, head on down there. Uh, D&E flight, those lower flights, they fill up pretty fast. But Taylor will be in Championship flight if you want to play against him. I'll be in A-Flight if you want to play against me. Uh, I would recommend playing <laughs> against me. It'd probably be a lot more fun for you than playing against Taylor. But it's a lot of fun, so... If you're looking for something to do this weekend, make your way down there. And then real quick, while we're talking about that, I played uh, golf with Stewart from Choctaw Creek, and he was talking about – he's the head pro out there, uh, and he was talking about how good a shape it's in. So if you're down in the Choctaw area, go go see Stewart and go play Choctaw Creek. Yeah, I'm actually really impressed with the course in Chickasaw. Went and played it last week for the first time, probably since last July 4th, and greens are really good. They're probably as good as uh, most places up here in Oklahoma City. So that was good to see. All right, so I got the uh, the U.S. team here. I'm still trying to find the, the Euro ranking. So Please tell me Patrick Reed's seventh. <laughs> Nailed it. Seventh. Wow. Let's go. And, by, and, by the way, for those who aren't aware – Six automatic qualifiers, six captain's picks. Used to be eight and four. They gave the captain two more picks. So if Reed's at seven, then we get to have a really speaking, fun conversation. Speaking but, of the captain after this. Yeah, that, yeah. Ca- yeah. Captain one captain one on the championship major. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that in just a second. But here here's something to point out, guys. Harry English moved up to eighth, so that was something to notice. Moved wow. up from thirteenth to eighth. I mean, he's been sneakily playing good for a long time. Yeah. Patrick Reed is uh, Xander Shoffley sixth in the standings. Reed's quite a few points behind Shoffley. I and, like it. And Shoffley's a decent amount of points mm-hmm. behind uh, JT. So let's just say, in, let's just say theoretically, Shoffley has a, a win or a big top five in the next coming weeks, maybe even at the um, at the Open Championship, and Reed doesn't play well. He might create a big enough gap to where there may not be a chance that Reed can even get inside the top six, which would be something very interesting to see. Um, I'll, re- I'll read out from one down, uh, one going uh, backwards. Uh, DJ's one, uh, DeChambeau, Morikawa, Kepka, JT, Shoffley, Reed, Harry English. At ninth, you got Patrick Cantlay. Then you get down into Tony Finau, Spieth, uh, Daniel Cheeseburger, Webb Simpson, <laughs> uh, Scotty Scheffler, Billy Horschel. So that's your top 15 right there. Boy, and there's some there's Jason some Kokrak and Phil right there. There are some serious names that are going to get left off the team. I mean, yeah. you can only take 12. There are some seriously good players that are going to be left off the team. I, I wonder, when is the – it would probably actually be easy to find out because there have been some no-name, but the last time that a major champion that calendar year wasn't on the team, the, like their country's Ooh, team. Because be a good Phil question. is currently 17th right now. be a good question. I, mean, I doubt it's ever happened. Of, 
Oh, surely it's happened because there have been think? some there have been some no name major champion winners. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was thinking like your Todd Hamilton. like your Todd Hamilton yeah. would yeah. be two thousand four. Yeah, that, that, that was a President's maybe. Cup year. So that's one of okay. the things that I was trying to figure out here. So, but but yeah, yeah, the point being is that and Phil's one of the biggest names of all time. I mean, so do you do you think that he's an automatic throw in? No, I trust I trust I, I don't Phil. Think. I trust Phil more than I would trust a guy like Daniel Berger. <sighs> Boy, in a Ryder I, I, Cup. I don't know if I could captain's pick Phil, the way he hits it all around. Where, where's it being played this year? It's uh, Whistling, Whistling Straits. Whistling Straits, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you the Americans could set it up, so if they set it up wide and forgiving, maybe Phil could play. You, you can't set a course wide enough for Phil. It's just, it's tough, man. I mean, Phil I mean, is, he can get it around, obviously. Phil like is, th- this isn't me being funny. This is literally, Phil is where the layup with an iron into the hazard audio clip comes from. That audio clip comes from the last Ryder Cup that Phil played in, in which, on the back nine, in the final round, he hooked it with an iron into the hazard off a tee box. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know where my trust level would be there. I really don't. And I mean, like you got Reed in seventh, you got Phil down at seventeenth, you got all these other names in there. You got to make six picks. I'm I'm glad I'm not Steve Stricker this I, year. I'd right. leave Reed out for a couple of reasons. He's bad for chemistry. He's not playing great golf. He's been, he's played very average golf since he won at Tory. That would be a story. I would love to see that. You got the uh, Europe standings. Too. Yeah, I got the Europe standings right here. You got Rom, Fleetwood, Hatton, McElroy. Those are your locked in. Uh, guys for Europe. They only have four guys that are locked in, I guess. Um, and then you have Bern Wiesberger, uh, Victor Perez. Uh, you have who Victor Perez, I think, will be playing with uh, Rosner in the Tony Olympics. Tony Rosner, yep. yeah, in the Olympics. You have Guido Miliozzi all the way up oh, to seventh place. Guido. Uh, hey, he one, played well last week. I said he went, but he did Paul Casey in eighth, uh, Fitzpatrick in ninth, uh, Robert McIntyre in tenth, Victor Hovland in eleventh. Uh, and then uh, Matthias Schwab is in 12th, and that means that Lee Westwood, Danny Willett, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, Sergio are all outside right now. That, that team's totally going to come over here and beat that stacked American roster, isn't it? Well, and you would think that like a guy like Matthias Schwab wouldn't get picked over Willett, Rose, Lowry, Sergio. I would think Rose, Lowry, Sergio. I would think those guys have a really, why is, why really good Hovland, chance to be captains. Why is Hovland only 11th? Their point system's and, and weird. They, they well, go and they just, yeah. He just jumped up 10 spots well, to 11th. That's because he actually finally went and played in Europe and won over there. I mean, their point system is is heavily weighted toward European points. Uh, I mean, they it incentivizes guys to go play in Europe. So Yeah. It's. I mean, that's part of the reason that Hovland went over there, I think, was for Ryder Cup reasons. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Hovland could have played Travelers this week. He could play Rocket Mortgage this next week. And I'm sure it doesn't hurt to already be over there in that time zone, get acclimated and everything before you go to the Open Championship. But, I mean, I think uh, I think he went over there in, in large part due to the, the Ryder Cup stuff. Why don't we take a break, come back on the other side, because we got to talk about Hovland's win. Yep. We'll talk about the captain, Steve Stricker. He got another major championship this week. So a lot more to dive into. Stay with us here. A lot more coming up on the other side on the 73rd hole the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Monday, a Harris English, Nellie Corda, Victor Hovland, Steve Stricker, 
Monday. Shout out to all the big winners this week. Chad Ramey, I believe, won on the Corn Ferry Tour. Joshua Creel finished second. We'll update the leaderboard on that here in just a few. But during the break, we were looking at some more Ryder Cup stuff, trying to figure out exactly how they do it on the European side in terms of captain's picks, world points, Europe points. Taylor, give us give us the breakdown real quick. All right, so this is on RyderCup.com. When you look under Europe, this is what it says. The European team will, compri- will comprise the first four players from the European points list, followed by the leading five players from the world points list, and Captain Podrick Harrington will complete the team with three captain's picks. So they go off with two different point systems here. I believe, I, I can't figure out, I don't know, we got some weird algorithm to figure all this out. I don't know why we need to. I might as well add 12 more if we're at it to get it figured out. But, I mean, we've got we got four players that they're going off of European points. I don't know what in the world that means. And then we got five off of the world points, which is where I think like someone like Hovland is ranked a little higher in. But I, I have no way of figuring that. Let, let them pick whoever they want to pick because they seem to always beat our, beat our ass. So, yeah. hopefully, they can't, <laughs> hopefully they don't do that again this year on our home soil. Because you mentioned it, Kobe. It seems like the only time or, you know, it, it, or this is the way at least I interpret it. Ryder Cup's one of the few times where USA can go into an event feeling like they're the underdog. Yeah, it always feels that way. Even, I mean, you can add up the combined world ranks of the Americans and the combined world ranks of the Europeans, and it'll be, I mean, the Americans will be so far ahead, and yet going into the Ryder Cup, it still feels like, well, the Europeans are going to find a way, and I, I don't know if it's just culture, uh, locker room, what it is. I, I don't know. You had uh, a few years back, you had Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari like laying in a hotel bed together with the Ryder Cup trophy in between them. Like They just seem like they all get together, and it's just this big family reunion party whenever they get to the Ryder Cup, and the Americans show up, and it seems like you know a, there's always several guys on that team who just can't stand to be in the same room as one another. I don't know if that's just the difference in culture or what the case is, but that's that's why I'd be a proponent of leaving Patrick Reed off. Uh, I think that that just does more harm than good to have him there, especially in the team events. But um, I, I don't know. what You seen something else there, Taylor? Oh, I was just going to – I kind of find out where the point system works. So it says the Europeans uh, use a system using two tables, uh, one using prize money, one on official European tour events, and the second based on world ranking points gained anywhere in the world. Both tables use a 12-month qualifying period finishing at the end of August. Now, maybe that may be different because of COVID last year and all that, but generally that's how it works. So gotcha. Okay. Yeah, a lot cool. going on there. A lot going on there. Uh, Too complicated for me. I say, hey, if you're winning tournaments, hitting good golf shots, let's pick you. Exactly. Exactly. I'm in. Uh, So, by the way, we mentioned Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland was just pretty steady all week. Kind of cruised to a victory at the BMW International Open, which is played in Munich, Germany. Uh, And he held off one of the most famous German golfers of all time, Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer came in second at 17 under. Hovland was 19 under for the week. Uh, And Keimer actually shot 64 to Hovland's pardon me, to Hovland 70 on Sunday. So it was a good win for Victor Hovland. He was, I believe, the odds-on favorite going into the tournament. He was 13-2. to uh, I don't see anybody better than 13-2. to Sergio probably would have been next at about 10-1. to uh, But Victor Hovland was the tournament favorite, and he goes over and gets the job done. There, pardon me, there was one co-favorite. I had to scroll down a little bit further. Louis was also 13-2. to He finished tied for 42nd. So uh, another good week from Victor Hovland, and he, he gets a trophy. It's, uh, it's awesome, man. He can win every everywhere except the U.S. So yeah. any, anytime Victor Hovland leaves the Continental 48, go ahead and pick him because the guy's going to hold the trophy up at the end of the week. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And uh, from the way, I'm, he, he may be a really good, interesting play at the uh, the Open Championship coming up. I mean, definitely kind of forget with how much, you know, obviously with us oh, uh, Oklahoma boys, we don't realize, you know, I mean, he's from Norway. I mean, he knows how to play over there. And so I think he'll be an interesting play at the Open Championship. And obviously he's been playing good golf. And one of the best things, guys, is good to see that his eyes doing better. I mean, we, we kind of saw that afterwards when, when the photos were out of him. He was actually practicing the day after he, he withdrew out of Tory. But nice enough to see because you only get one set of eyes, so hopefully, you know, you don't lose one. Well, so. and an eye is one of those things where, you know, if something gets in your eye, if your eye gets scratched, I, I've had it happen to me a bunch of times, especially whenever I used to wear contacts. I'd get scratched, you know, retinas and corneas and stuff all the time. And it's like, it's horrible as it's happening. It's just the worst pain. But it doesn't last that long. I mean, yeah. you can get some numbing drops, and it heals up pretty quick. It doesn't last very long. As long as you don't keep scratching your eye correct, and stuff. Yeah, correct. That's why you but, need the, the, the eye patch, like Hoglin yeah. had. But when it's happening, it's incredibly painful to have something scratching your eye. So, and I mean, the, I, I, uh, I empathize with Hovland. This is really interesting, boys. This is from Adam Woodard uh, of Golf Week. You know, he, he writes this morning, and he said, or yesterday, I guess, that uh, the 23-year-old uh, Victor Hovland made history on Sunday being the first North 
Norwegian player to ever win on the European Tour. I saw really? that. That was I was shocked when I saw that. Yep. Well, that's just. I mean, we need a round of applause. That's pretty. And, and for Victor Hovland, yeah, absolutely. What a, what a countryman. I know. And, and Victor, you know, he says I grew up watching mostly European. Uh, tour events and yeah. so he said this was huge for him and it, obviously it's his third win as others were you know at Puerto Rico and then Mayakoba so it's really cool to see Victor get a win on the European tour something that he dreamed of his whole life and, and by the way there's no reason that he can't win a gold medal I mean first Nor- Norwegian to win on the European oh, yeah. tour what if he wouldn't want a gold medal I mean that would be unbelievable what that would do uh, for Norway golf for Holland to get that done and he'll be one of the favorites going in that week yeah. I bet he'll be one of the I bet he'll be one of the seven or eight favorites to win the gold medal that week going in. Yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll say this: I have a, a really good friend. Shout out Willie from Norway, and Norway is just one of those countries where it's it's so cold throughout the year that uh, like the nicest course in Norway, I believe, is also golf club, and they're shut down like five months of the year, if not more. And so you literally can only play half of the year, if 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 that, and then. The rest of your stuff is done on indoor facilities. I so then, say, I wonder now that golf has become a bigger deal with a lot more money in it. I wonder if that's bled over into some of these colder countries where they have a lot better indoor facilities than they used to. Well, also not better, but you have more of them. More so, of them, so, yeah, so, more so accessible. Now, so now you're not instead of just uh, this isn't a number at all, but just hypothetically instead of paying five hundred dollars each day, you have to pay five dollars each day. You right. know, because there's more easier access. Yeah, so, exactly. and I bet you know what Victor's doing is really. Growing the game of golf in Norway, obviously yeah. they've had some good uh, women's players, but on the men's side, not really until Victor and obviously you have uh, uh, Chris Ventura. Chris Ventura, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, you know, what Victor, you know, is doing right now, good thing that his eye was okay because obviously <laughs> <laughs> that looked bad when he posted the picture it like a pirate. Bad. I mean, that that's no fun, but clearly no long-term effects or short, short-term. He wins the next week. Yeah, in I know. And by the way, I, I look, I'm not going to try to lie to people and tell them I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning watching the BMW International. I wasn't. But I watched <laughs> all the highlights, and of course they're, they're only going to show the best shots, but there couldn't have been that many bad shots because he finished at 19 under. Hollow was striping the golf ball. I mean, there was a par 4. They had, always move, does. they had the tees moved up on the back. It was like 270-yard par 4. Pulls out a 3-wood. It's all carry over water. Lands it like 4 feet from the hole. I mean, he, he's just hitting some unbelievable golf shots. So, another good week for Victor Hovland. Like you said, he'll uh, he'll be up there in the odds for the Open Championship here in a couple of weeks. Seniors, guys, Steve Stricker, we watched him at Southern Hills just a few weeks ago. He took a lead into the final round, and he absolutely imploded. I think he shot 77 that final day, was never in contention on the back nine. Alex Chaka went on to win. Steve Stricker absolutely ran away with the golf tournament this week. Uh, the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship, uh, Steve Stricker gets it done at seven under. Only two players finished under par. Jerry Kelly was the other one. Shout out to the Wisconsin guys up at the top. Jerry Kelly was one under par. So Steve Stricker wins by six. It's a good week for the captain. Some uh, familiar names. Uh, pretty much all the guys we saw at Southern, minus Fred Couples, who didn't make the trip to Southern. He finished at even. David Toms, Ernie Els, Jim Furyk, Rocco Mediate were the guys uh, falling in there behind. So another good week. And hey, captain still knows how to get it around. He, uh, he has a Sunday collapse every now and then, but the captain still knows how to get it around. His third major championship on the senior tour. He clearly putted better than he did at Southern Hills. It yeah. sounds like he changed back uh, to whatever putter he was using before because his putting at on the weekend at Southern Hills was pretty atrocious. So, <laughs> yeah, you can't shoot seven under and be one of the Didn't only two Didn't Stricker put guys. a new putter in on Wednesday of that week? Yeah, yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah. And so that, I think that kind of cost him at Southern. But clearly, he's the best ball striker on the senior tour. I think it's fascinating to me how, you know, some guys tinker and switch clubs and have a honeymoon effect, you know, like Morikawa at, uh, at in Florida at the concession. Right. I mean, he switched putters. He goes out. He wins the tournament. Some guys have the honeymoon effect. Some guys switch putters and... As soon as a couple start to miss and go awry, they're like, "Oh no, why did I lose the confidence?" And then it goes away. It's just—it's fascinating to me the psychological side of tinkering with your golf equipment. But one quick thing before T Dub goes, I—I think that when a good player switches putters. That's never good, but some most of the time you see the like honeymoon effect, like you're talking about with yeah. Morikawa. It's like the bad, bad putters, bad not bad putters, but like Morikawa was a average, bad putter, average. Morikawa was outside the top 150. Bad, bad for a PJ Tour yeah, player. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, uh, this is yeah. all in terms of relative right. to their yeah. competition got level. It, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what yeah, I'm saying, if Morikawa goes out to Hefner, he's the best putter on property. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about on the PGA Tour, he's outside the top 150. Yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is basically like a guy like Morikawa could make a switch and it feel really good, you know where. You know, Stricker's 
been perennial one of the best putters of all time and then when he makes a switch he might be like oh why did i do this you know it'd be like it'd be like tiger trying to put in cavity back irons it's like like you just can't see it happening (laughs) and be like tiger switching to that nike putter that one time hey he almost won at where you were there when he had that big old spaceship looking thing at bell reef so that would have been something but yeah no he's uh tiger has not won a major besides with a blade putter the only other one besides the elder one was that black uh, terillion that he had at 97 masters but yeah you mentioned the final group um earlier sam with uh with stricker and jerry kelly and you know i think it it was interesting because they mentioned that they were flying home together no matter what happened and they were in the final group together so there could have been little animosity down the stretch and other good friends but I thought one other thing was interesting two, two points going forward one is that whenever I turned the golf on Saturday Stricker had an eight shot lead it got up to nine at one point on Saturday nine shot lead it yeah. got up to nine and, and then by the time it ended Saturday he had a four shot lead yeah. so after what I saw at Southern I'm thinking oh boy you know, this is <laughs> yeah, this is not we go again. this is not safe at all and you know from what I did watch from that tournament my number one takeaway is that I'm missing Firestone on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I agree. Then, it was so much better than Memphis. No offense, Memphis. I love your zoo. The barbecue is amazing. Uh, I, I miss Firestone. TBC yep. Southwind isn't as good a golf course as Firestone is, as, as much as you want to say. I mean, Firestone is a pure – and like you said, there's two players that broke par. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that shows – so many t- Tiger memories on that golf course. So many. Yeah. Too many to count, really. Southwind's just kind of a – uh, one of those courses that you know always leads the tour and most balls in the water yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's all right. It's fine. It's, it's, it's not fine. a bad golf course. No, yeah, it's just I think if it was just a regular tour stop event, we would really like it. But the fact that it gets juxtaposed with Firestone every year, it's like, oh, this is what we have now instead of Firestone. It'd be like if we played the Masters at an unbelievable golf course, but it's like, oh, that golf course, it's not Augusta. Do you, you think know? they? Do you think they moved it? Not, I mean, obviously, you know, sponsors and all that stuff. But do you like um, having courses like Bay Hill and Torrey, and then add in Firestone that are all kind of the same type of just long, dead straight par fours? Do you like that? Yeah. Having more, do you I want still, more tournaments like that or less? I still think Bay Hill, especially, is is a much different layout. Um, I think that. Tory being on the coast gives it the different vibe with the marine layer and stuff. But I'm just talking I mean, strictly there are, there golf are long, holes. There are long golf courses. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. They're all pretty similar. It's a good like, question. Because I'll say, th- this week watching the Travelers, I think TBC River Highlands is a phenomenally boring golf course. And, they, he, and the 18th hole yeah. that they kept playing the playoff on, phenomenally boring golf hole. Well, yeah. that, that's where Stricker shot the 58 at. Yeah. You know, so let's let's not get it wrong. And, you know, for comparison's sake, I mean, like, Bay Hill has a lot more water than Firestone does. I mean, that, yes. that, that, I mean that's a lot. And you're also... And you, Torrey. I mean, the only water at Torrey is either the ocean or the pond on 18. Yeah. So, and you also, I mean, you're going from California to Florida to Ohio. So we've got three different demographics here. I would just say, you know, there's, there's different ways to play... A, to set up and play a golf course. And we saw, I mean, this is how you want a tournament to play, I feel like. I mean, you've got, what, what does Trigger finish at? Seven, seven under? And then the next best is at one under. So, I mean, you have one player who goes out and, and lights it up. I mean, you could set it up maybe a smidge easier, make the fairways a little bit wider, play it a little bit shorter, greens a little bit slower, whatever you, whatever you want to do. But nevertheless, I think this shows that it was just a great tournament set up. And, you know, maybe there may, there's a little bit of, of hypocrisy going on just because of Tiger having so many great effects there. But even... Even like Kadecki shooting a 62 there, I mean, I remember that, and that was a phenomenal uh, round to watch. So I think that it, I just, I just love that golf course. And whenever you see that the change, and like you said, Sam, the reason is because the FedEx headquarters is in Memphis, and it's the FedEx St. Jude Classic. So yeah. um, that explains it all. So you had I mean, a great leaderboard. I mean, Freddie Couples kind of coming back from the dead. I haven't <clears throat> seen his name very often, you know. And well, then, speaking of guys who need to go to the spine clinic, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then David Toms, Ernie Els, Jim Furyk, all those guys would wax Walter Hagen. Yeah, out on David Toms. <laughs> in, his, in his prime. Out, out on David Toms. Da- David Toms told me to move back at uh, Southern Hills when I was like 20 feet away from him, so I'm out on, I'm out on David Toms. David Toms is all good. He's a nice guy. No, David, David Toms is a nice guy. He had a super bad lie. I just don't think he was ready to hit the shot, so he just like looked over his shoulder and looked at somebody to back up. I think he just needed a minute. You were the scapegoat of the situation. 100% I was the scapegoat. Because after he walked off, there were other people standing around there, and they were like, 
the hell's his problem? What's what, yeah. what's going on with him? Even the like, security hey, guards had your back. And then to explain what I was just talking about with Walter Hagen, we had a big debate on Twitter this weekend about, you know. Not we. You had a big I debate. I had a big debate with all, the, all these golf purists that think that, you know, Walter Hagen and Harry Varden are better golfers than Phil Mickelson uh, and Ernie Els. Okay, here. Let me get your question, Sam. Why is it so <laughs> definitively the answer is yes? Why is it, why is it so definitive? Because I've seen video of their swings. I, I, you watch Jim Furyk swing. Are you going to say that he's a top 25 player of all time? Okay, here's my thing. It, it's it's so hard and almost unfair to compare players of different eras because <laughs> it's a different game. The The game of golf in 2021, it, it legitimately, it's not the same game they played in the 1930s. I know. It's not. It's not the same game. So, what? Well, I, I think that it's okay to just say Harry Valden and Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones were the best players of their era, and be, I, because we can only compare players to the other players that they played against, yes, they are a handful of the greatest players of all time, but golf's different. I, I, can't, I can't compare Bobby Jones to Tiger Woods. The only reason why this came up is because the all-time list and everything, and so oh, yeah. I think we need to start looking at the all-time list more like you're talking By about, era. and less like, oh, he won 12 majors or whatever. Yeah, but he was playing in basically a club championship. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, the, the fields were not very deep in the 40s. No, they were If you give those guys modern equipment, and just let them go based off their talent, gave them time to practice with modern equipment, they would get waxed. Yeah, okay. Well, let me ask you this, Sam. So you translate it to another sport. So is like the the super fit bench warmer for the Nets or the Bucks, is he is he going to be the best player in the NBA if he went back 30 years Chris, ago? Chris Middleton would give Bob Cousy 100 points. <laughs> I might agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Chris, Middleton, but Chris Middleton's I, also a good player. I mean, I might too, but again, I just hate comparing and players Bob to Cousy, different eras. Pick a better name because Bob. everything is so different. <laughs> Fitness is different. Nutrition's different. Strategy is different. It's so different. Money is different, which is why everyone is so much better now than they used to be because everyone now has unlimited money and resources who's a professional athlete. It's I agree. Just, I, I just, and, I hate comparing and, players and, from different I eras. I think you can only compare... Like, yes, different eras, but I still think you can even compare, like, 70s, 60s and 70s to now. Like, because, like, we saw the talent that the Nicholas era have with him and Player and Arnie and all those guys. Like, those guys could compete. Billy Casper, the ghost. Yeah, yeah exactly. Billy all those Ca guys. Billy Casper always gets left off people's list. Billy Casper was awesome. Most underrated yeah. golfer of all time. Billy Casper was awesome. Yeah. And here's the last thing I'll say about it is that, and I'll ask you this question, Sam. What could anyone tell you in a debate that would make you change your mind? Is there anything that could be said? Maybe we need some more videos. I still have Hogan on my list. I, well, Hogan's way later than, I mean, I yeah, say way later. He was 20 years 20 later. 20 years later, yeah. 20, what 20, I'm Bobby about, Jones, he's 50 years later than Varden. But what yeah. I'm saying is, <laughs> I, I did tweet that uh, Harry Varden lost to Shia LaBeouf. So I, you, can't, you can't convince me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Francis, we may, had a... First, we may have had a ten-year-old caddy in for him in Eddie. the U.S. Open. Eddie, Eddie, most underrated <laughs> caddy of all time. Dames, who needs it? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but, but, got, no, no, I was just going to say my point being is that you, I don't you know. just have this endless debate because you can't. No one you ever argue with is going to change their mind, and no one that you argue with is going to change your mind. You yeah, know, that, that, it's just you're in this endless loop. Of Dude, it's 2021. That's what we're supposed to do. How about this? <laughs> Tiger one, Jack two. Everybody else, y'all were great. Yeah. Y'all were great. Congrats on a great career. Tiger won, Jack too. everybody else. Congrats. I don't know. I still think Glad, there's like tears. There's like tears to it. Yeah, there could be tears. Tiger and Jack are top tier. There could be tears. You got like second tier, which I would put guys like, you know, Faldo and uh, Mickelson and guys like that. And then you've got like Bubba tears. Every time he wins a tournament, he yeah. tears up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> too soon after the collapse yesterday. Uh, I love Bubba. Let's uh, let's go Corn Ferry. Guys, they were in Maine this week, so uh, they were just about as far away as Victor Hovland. And Chad Ramey got it done, but our man Josh Creel was so close. Sunday 64 for Josh Creel, which vaulted in 14 places up the leaderboard. Shot 64, fellas, with two bogeys. Bogeyed eight and nine coming in on the front to shoot 31 on the front and then goes out and makes three birdies on the back. Uh, so Joshua Creel finishes solo second at 15 under. Our man Taylor Moore finishes T5, which kept him. He just kind of held serve this week in the season-long standings. Taylor Moore was at 21st in the standings, and he stayed at 21st in the standings. Josh Creel, on the other hand, he moved up from 103 to 69. Nice, well, which is a big jump, obviously, as we get toward the end of the season and playoffs and everything. So it was a great week for Josh Creel. 
Uh, yes, it was. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he shot, like you said, the seven under on Sunday, 15 under for the tournament. And, you know, I was looking at, at our boy Taylor Moore, and I thought that he was going to he was, he was have a shot. Unfortunately, I think he bogeyed 11 and then wasn't able to, to make some birdies coming in. But and still, nevertheless, top five finishes, securing, securing his point standing where he's at now. And so, I mean, I just think it's great to see all these Oklahoma guys that are playing well. And, you know, just to scroll through the list, McGreevy stayed steady at 13. Uh, Taylor Moore is at, at 19th currently, so I mean that's sitting really pretty. Yule line is up to 27th, so I mean he's right on the cusp, and he hasn't played in a lot of events. So well, is, it, is my list not updated? I'm showing uh, I'm showing Taylor Moore at 21st on the list. I got him at 19th. Yep. Okay, so, maybe yep. I'm looking at an old list. Uh, ranked last week 21st, ranked this week 19th. Okay, yeah, mine hasn't updated yet. Yep. Good call. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, 20, 21st is a lot better than 19th, especially in this situation. And so, you mean 19th is a lot better than 21st? We know what you meant. Yep. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what, how about whatever, this? Whatever. So we're on the, we're on the same site. You're on PGATour.com, right? Looking at these. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I pulled it up, like basically whenever we started the show, and it wasn't updated yet. I refreshed the page. They just updated the standings since I <laughs> since I opened the tab. I mean, you talk about a big jump. Krill goes up from 103rd to 62nd, gets in that top 75. That's See, a, and, and, now, that, and that's huge. That's not as nice though, because I thought he was at 69th <laughs> because I my thing wasn't updated. Oh, yeah, 69th may be better than 62 in this opinion. Well, because yeah. you get the better. Even though it's not, but well, but you get the better mojo moving forward. That's a good point. Yeah, it's all about it's all about getting so, some momentum. So what I'm hearing is basically McGreevy has his card locked up, right? Not locked up, but he's pretty safe. I, I don't see any way that he would drop out. Uh, it yeah. would it would it, uh, everyone behind him would have to and win. Then this up. was big for Taylor Moore. Uh, every spot next to that top 25 number is huge yep. for Taylor Moore right now. And with four or five events coming up left, that you know. If he just makes the cut in those events, it's going to be tough for him to drop, you know, seven spots. Yeah, and, and here's to put it into perspective. He's currently about 200 points ahead of, of 25th or 26th, I guess, about 250 points ahead of 26th. And um, if you want to, if he was going to move up that much, he would move up to about where McGreevy is at 13. So he basically needs to have, if he is going to fall out, he's going to have to miss every cut that he plays. And almost everyone behind him, who wins would have to be inside of the top probably 40 or so in the points to so, be able yeah. to, to outpace do, him. The Corn Ferry playoffs, do they start with the Utah championship? I'm trying to see where it starts because I'm looking at the schedule here. They've got TPC Colorado. They've got a few more. So one, two, three, four, five. I think there's five Check more. By the uh, by the name of it. Here, I'm on the... The thing it starts at the Boise Open. It starts at Boise. Okay, so there's five more regular season events then. I, I, the I'm, I'm assuming because that's where the purse increases substantially. By, okay, yeah. The winner goes from getting 108 thousand to 180 thousand. So well, I assume that that's where it would make sense because that would leave three playoff events. Yeah. So that would be. And this is when the 126 to 175 on the FedEx Cup start to come in, and you're yeah. playing against people who played on the PGA Tour for their whole calendar year. So be very very eventful. And one thing I, I need to see where did. Uh, uh, well, uh, he played on Corn Ferry Tour or on PJ Tour. So, Matt, I was going to ask about Eckrode. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of weird. I can play on the higher tour and not move up. So, very. Yeah. But I know that Eckrode's playing in in uh, Detroit this week as well. So. Yep. Yeah, he is. So, hopefully, I'll have another good finish. Uh, one other thing we wanted to get into before we got out of here. I guess y'all had a conversation about the Greens readings books while I was gone. So, what all did y'all get into? I want I want to kind of hear y'all's. Y'all's takes just quick synopsis before I throw mine out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you were on vacation when all that that news broke, and it was the the big storylines. And they were talking about it a little bit yesterday on the telecast, and Faldo brought up the same point that I brought up, and it's sense of that I'm I'm worried about the rule in all in, in all honesty because I don't know how you govern it because I understand you can't allow the actual printed copy of the book but what's stopping people from taking the information that's already out there and just tracing it in their books so they're using it anyway and so I think that that's a problem with it because the information is already out there Strack is a business it's not going out of business anytime soon because and that, that the biggest thing that I want people to understand is that this was a PJ Tour vote not a USGA vote so this right. is this is just a tour only event and I guess all the corn ferry and all the all the tours that are associated with it, not and, USGA. And then my main point was, if you do, uh, you know, outlaw and all, and all these guys are just going to make their own notes, then then these practice rounds are just going to be miserable for these guys. They're going to be super long. These guys are just going to be taking all the notes uh, with their little, you know. What, are, what do you call it? It's like when you hang a picture up, but basically it, it gives you the number for 
the slope on the green and you set it down on the green and it gives you like an aim point number. And so basically uh, that's what's in the, the same thing that's in the Straka books. It's not just arrows and, and red arrows and green arrows to, to signify, you know, how much the slope is. There's the actual number there as well. And so, like you said, that what what's keeping them from tracing it or paying someone to trace it for them. Um, and so I just think that it's going to make the process a lot tougher unless you just say there can be no none of this information in your yardage book and if we find it then you're disqualified well okay so that was the point that i was going to bring up because i i I think i've made this point before i'm adamantly against the green reading books i think that green reading is a skill i think that if you basically just tell everybody okay if it's a 2.8 degree slope you aim five inches outside the right and hit the putt that I, I, I hate that. I hate the idea of that. Read the green, hit the putt. Um, now, as far as enforcing it goes, I don't know how much you all, uh, you both of you and the listeners have paid attention to what's been happening in Major League Baseball lately. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball has taken a serious stance against pitchers using foreign stu- substances to the point that some pitchers are getting checked every time <laughs> they walk <laughs> off the mound. I, I got to pause you. Did you uh, see Scherzer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some that of the pitchers are throwing fits. I was going to say for because baseball gets you know we're not we're not talking steroids here. We're talking like putting something on the ball yes. to make it spin. Yeah. yeah, pine tar. And you, then you, know. you had the situation with the pitcher that said that he threw out his uh, elbow because he didn't have the stickum on there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so it, it's kind of a mess. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you want to enforce something bad enough, you can. And I, I don't know uh, logistically what it would look like to go searching through guys' bags, but I mean. You have one yard. You have one yardage book. Your caddy has one yardage book. Uh, on the first tee, your yardage book gets inspected. If it's got per, if it's got percentage slopes written in it, then you can't use that yardage book. That yardage book's outlawed. We'll hand you a brand new one. What you can get a brand new yardage book um, for the round and whatever notes you have in that one, it's out. Uh, and again, enforcing it would be the issue, but I would rather go that route and see how they enforce it then allow them to continue to be used because I hate the green reading books. I hate them more than I hated anchor putting. I hate them more than I hate arm lock putting. I just, I, I despise the green reading books. I think you're on the right track there. I think that they should be allowed to draw arrows uh, in their yardage book, but I don't think that there should be. But like, no numbers. Like I said, no numbers. Yeah. No, no percentage and, slope. And, and see, and, and that's that's kind of where my question comes in because every every, every PJ Tour player is going to have arrows on, on their greens just because of what they need to know where slopes are. And so, so they can leave it below the hole in yeah, the fairway as well. Correct, absolutely. And so you talk about you know no numbers. Well, where does the number come in? Because you, put, you can put a number on the corner of a green Green saying, okay, well, it's this many paces to clear this bunker, yeah, but, or whatever, but saying, that's a number. And so I'm saying you know, I don't want guys out there measuring how much each slope is just because they like don't have the strack of book. I, I guess, I guess my point in is in the practice rounds, my, I, and and you would have to be a complete jackass to try to get around this rule if they did try to enforce it like you do, Kobe. I'm just saying, like, like if, if you look at a yardage book, right, and you just plop it up, and if you look on there and you can see little arrows with 2.2 and on every single point of the green, I yeah. understand that, but. You know, at like, what if you're a real analytical person and it's sixteen point three paces to clear this bunker? And just because that's a point number, does that mean that it's that it's off? I mean, it's just it seems like there's such a gray area there that 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 does it. And and Colby makes the point of you know you think numbers wise you can do the slope or whatever, but it's or, like go ahead, Sam. It, or I was just gonna bring up while we're talking about this, or you could let them have Straka books, but make the grid bigger. Like just give them ten by ten paces instead of five by five. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's always a possibility. Where I just I, grass is just an unstable surface, no matter how fresh it's mowed. And so while the numbers can definitely heighten your chances at making a putt, I don't think that it's. And the prime example is is DeChambeau because yeah. he's always used Straka. This isn't something that was different except at Augusta. I, yeah. Except at Augusta. Yeah. But as soon as he starts putting better, it's when he went to arm lock. Well, and so I think that had a lot more to do than true. with the green reading books. My entire point on all of this is what what are they trying to do? They're trying to speed up play. The whole point is that green reading books are making play slower. So is this rule, either way, whether however they decide to enforce it or however they want to do it, is it really making play faster? 
I don't think so. Does checking everyone's yardage book before you tee off, does that make play faster? I know it's before you start, but, I mean, it can – I mean, that's a legitimate question because if you get a couple yardage books in a row that are kind of tweaky, you can have players argue with the official, then all of a sudden that tee time gets back. Yeah, up. to tell you the truth, I don't really know how much it speeds up play. I wasn't even really approaching it from a pace of play uh, standpoint. I was approaching it from uh, more of an integrity of the game standpoint. I mean, I don't think it's cheating, obviously. It hasn't been outlawed. It's not cheating. I just – I don't like the idea that a guy can stand over an eight-footer and instead of looking at the green to see how much it breaks, he looks in a book and it tells him how much it breaks. Do, do, I, I don't like that. Do you despise rangefinders that tell slope as much? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like rangefinders with slope. I don't have one with slope on it, and I hope that it's never allowed in tournament play. We but but rangefinders that tell you a regular number, that's fine. Yeah, because, I mean, you need to know how far you are from the pin, but, I mean, there's some things as, as golfers we just have but, to gauge. I was playing a tournament uh, a couple of months ago with a guy at the greens, and we, we shot on a par three, and uh, I, I said, like, 167, and he was like, yeah, with slope, it's showing 174. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I, I, I stopped him in his tracks, and I was like, hey, man, I don't need that number. You're not allowed to have that number. We can't have that number. Like, yeah, that's, but basically – but Colby, in in every practice round on the PGA Tour, these guys are writing the slope numbers down, and every single, you know, pretty much every uh, sprinkler head or on par threes, especially, you write down the slope, and and you have that number already in your yardage book. Because you have, you want to know if it's seven yards downhill. So the whole three week, those downhill. guys know, you know, how much downhill or uphill it is. Yeah, I mean that's, I guess the slope. I was thinking a little more of. Uh, like, in the moment, it, like well, I was thinking more of just like our type of play out at out at the greens or out at Hefner or something like that. I was thinking less about the tour because the tour doesn't use rangefinders anyway, so right. I wasn't really thinking about the tour. But I mean, they do have the slope well, in their books. But my point is, they do use rangefinders in the practice round, and they have all those numbers, and that that goes back to the whole point of why can't they just trace the Stracker book? Yeah, it's it's basically. I think the question, our defining line here is, you know, how much of the information that you're able to use. Can you create yourself as opposed to what's given to you, right? Because yeah. the Stracker books are printed for you. You can buy them, but now it's you have to buy them and trace them. So is that extra work <laughs> worth? I mean, and and like you said, Sam, you know, you're taking your own rangefinder out there to measure the slope, and so that's not against the rules to yeah. say that it, this sprinkler is now seven and, yards downhill. And some caddies might not be as good as others on getting those numbers. And that's yeah. where a good caddy comes into play. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, what we've really come to the conclusion of over the last five to ten minutes is. There's a lot of gray area in the game of golf. There just is. And and there's no way to ever get rid of all the gray area. Um, the governing bodies just have to make the decisions that they think are best. And guys are going to complain. Some guys are going to love it. Um, I don't know. And, and part of it to me, too, is some of the pros that have come out adamantly against the green reading books, you know, like Rory, Rom, some of these guys. I'm like, you know these guys aren't spending three to four minutes on every putt in the green reading book. They're taking a look. They're checking it out. Uh, Rom's actually, if you look at the stats over like the last five years, he's the best putter of the elite players in the world. So I don't know. It's just something that I've never really liked whenever it came on the scene. I just, I feel like I'm watching golf on TV or in person and they've got the camera on a guy and I'm just watching him read a book. You know, it's just, I don't know. Just not my thing, but We'll see what they do. Cause I agree. I don't like them, but I don't think that you're ever going to be able to get rid of them. I, I agree the enforcement will be a nightmare. It'll it, be a nightmare. It, 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 it's it's going to be a nightmare, and so hopefully they can get it figured out. But like I said, the main thing I wanted to let everyone know is that, as far as I understand, that was a PJ Tour vote, not a USGA vote, which is right. a drastic difference in the way that we play. Yeah, because then we could get different rules. I mean, just like, I mean, Augusta has its own rules. Can't use them at Augusta. Or like the, the infamous um, Rule 7-2, where you can actually practice putting and chipping on a green and on a hole that you pass played and stroke play. A lot of people oh, don't, yeah. don't know that rule. Yeah, as long as you're yeah. not holding up play behind you. Correct, yes. Yep. If you're holding up play behind you, you're not allowed to practice putt. But like me and Taylor this weekend, we're playing an individual stroke play event. If there's nobody behind us and we miss a six-footer, we can tap it in for par and then put the ball down and hit the six-footer again. Not against the rules. Yep. A lot of people don't know that. Don't do it just to be a jerk, though. <laughs> if, there's, if there's a group behind you, get out of the way. It, and, and you technically are breaking the rule if you yeah. are doing that. If, so you, if you do that in my group and there's a group behind us waiting in the fairway, I'm going to stroke you. you Col are Colby, stroke. speaking of you playing at the greens this weekend, I, I found out uh, that the greens has a bar and a golf simulator oh, in the clubhouse. Dude. 
I, I didn't never know that. It's sweet. My and, buddy said, hey, come have a drink with us up at the Greens. And I was like, all right. Me and Reagan go up there. There's a golf simulator. We were playing home run derby. There's a mega golf simulator. There's a bar. There's shuffleboard. There's poker. There's golden tea. There's another arcade game. It's like there's an like adult eight, playground. There's like, there's like 12 TVs in there. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty unbelievable. It's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. absolutely awesome. So everybody check that out. What did we miss? Anything? I think we covered it. We covered it. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow to preview the uh, the Rocket Mortgage or the Detroit Championship, Motor City Championship, however you <laughs> yeah. want it. The win. 1949 Greater Detroit <laughs> Motor City Ford Championship. Yeah. Yep. That and sounds then, pretty good. By the way, this week, uh, Ken will be on vacation. So Ken I will McLeod, be, that is, from Golf, yep, Oklahoma. Ken McLeod. And so I will be up in Tulsa uh, co-hosting the uh, Tulsa Golf, Oklahoma Hour. Very so, nice. And when is that, Sam? And that will be at 6 o'clock on uh, Thursday night. On 97.1 The Sports Animal yep. in Tulsa. And you can also listen on the app, correct? Correct. Fantastic. Yep. Good stuff. Might have a, uh, a pretty good guest on there as well. So yep, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep you apprised to that whenever we know more. We're back tomorrow. Apprised. That's to, a good word. <laughs> yeah, we should use that word more often. We'll be back tomorrow with more here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.